as long as we are divided, we're weak. But when we're together, we're strong. You know, what happens to one of us happens to all of us. Uh, a lot of people learn when they talk about Texas. It's not always in the best light as far as working and taking care of workers or the conditions. But we have strong labor leaders across the state of Texas that are advocating for workers in the unions and workers in the community as well. It's all a learning experience and it's just an amazing feeling just to be here around people who believe in the same things that you believe in and that are trying to, you know, change the world essentially. You're listening to the Labor Radio Podcast Daily, a special edition of the Labor Radio Podcast Weekly. We're here in Philadelphia at the AFL-CIO convention where thousands of union leaders and members have gathered to celebrate the strength of the Federation's 56 affiliated unions and 12.5 million members honor the souls lost, and renew the movement's commitment to build back better with unions. Hosted by American Income Life, the Labor Radio Podcast Network will be interviewing convention attendees about the opportunities and challenges ahead for the American labor movement. I'm Chris Garlock, and with me here in Philly are Patrick Dixon, Evan Papp, and Mel Smith. Although the convention doesn't officially start until tomorrow, today the AFL-CIO hosted a Unity Summit and an Innovation Hall where the network set up our open-air studio in the American Income Life booth. We managed to grab interviews with Brian Griffin, Executive Secretary-Treasurer for the Cincinnati Labor Council, Leonard Aguilar, Secretary-Treasurer of the Texas AFL-CIO, and Alicia Page, Business Development Officer for the Bank of Labor. Their booth is right next door to ours. You'll hear from Brian, Len, and Alicia in a moment. But first, we wanted to bring you highlights from tonight's moving tribute to Richard Trumka, the fiery mine workers president who led his union to victory in the 1989 Pittston strike and went on to lead the AFL-CIO, serving as president from 2009 until his untimely death on August 5th, 2021. Unions are on the move in every city, in every state, young and old, black and white, immigrant, native born, gay and straight, rural and urban, Republican, Democrat, our labor movement is ready We're spoiling for a fight. I say, bring it on. Bring it on. Next up is Mine Workers President Cecil Roberts. I knew Rich Trumka for 47 years. Our friendship and our relationship together grew strongly when we decided to run for international office and challenge incumbents, which all of us know how difficult that is. And in our union, everybody has a vote. So that required Rich and myself and John Banavick and our team, known as the Why Not the Best team, to campaign together for about a year and a half. We both had similar backgrounds. His dad was a UMWA member for 50 years, and my dad was a UMWA member for 50 years. He grew up in Oak Hills, and so did I. And I think he, he learned what it was what it was to be a UMWA member and what it was to be a UMWA leader from his dad and the people he worked with as a very young man. That's what Rich Trump, he, he had it in his blood. We won the Pittston strike. We were up late into New Year's Day in 
1990, after 10 and a half months, that was an important point in time in the history of the labor movement. He loved UMWA and his membership. I nominated him every time he ran for a caucus at the FLCO. I'm very thankful that Rich Trumpeter was my friend. I miss him dearly, but I'm pretty sure we're going to see each other again. Here's the DC Labor Chorus. And to bring it all together, AFL-CIO President Liz Schuler. I just want to thank everyone who has joined us today to celebrate the life and legacy of our friend and leader, Rich Trumka. It brings me, and I hope all of us, some peace. And it is wonderful to be in community with all of you as we remember Rich and the incredible life he led. And it's hard to capture all the memories and how we feel about Rich in one single evening. And as Rich's secretary treasurer, I would often step in when he couldn't be someplace. And here I am. So much of who Rich was came from Cole. And so much of who he was can be seen in the story of Cole. And in looking at the potential of something that can seem unassuming, at first glance in taking that small bit of potential energy and turning it into a force to power the nation. That is how he saw working people, how he saw our movement. And he tapped that energy and created something incredible. Rich saw potential everywhere he looked. Potential to organize, potential to secure better contracts, write better laws. He saw the potential of working people to create a better, stronger economy. And, and he mined that potential at every turn. The story is legendary. His rise through the ranks of the UMWA, how the Miners for Democracy came together to change the course of history in the UMWA, Rich served three terms as president of the UMWA and led the famed strike against the Pittston Coal Company, one of the most successful strikes in American history. And I cannot tell you how many people that I run into who say that strike changed their lives. Obviously, mine workers, I'm talking about people you would never expect. Young people who got in their cars and drove down to be in solidarity. It changed the trajectory of their careers being involved in that strike because they chose to go another path and work in the labor movement. Rich was never afraid of power. He walked right up to it, nose to nose again and again. When he stood in front of you, you could tell how strong he was. 
You could feel the strength he had forged in the coal mines and how it burned through him. And you knew he was gonna be right out in front, standing up for all the people behind him, no matter what. He became obsessed with racial disparities in our society and systemic racism. He wanted the labor movement to be, as he said, the tip of the spear in fighting racial injustice. Do you remember the speech he gave where he spoke truth to power at a union convention, calling out those who refused to support then-presidential candidate Barack Obama because of the color of his skin. And he said, there is no evil that has inflicted more pain and suffering than racism. And he felt that in his bones. We may not all have gotten our start in the coal mines, but we can all learn from the values that he forged in coal country. Solidarity, strength, family, fairness. That's who he was at his core. And we know his North Star was that working people need to challenge power with power. He knew, as we know, that there's nothing like the labor movement in the face of injustice. And there's nothing like a good union contract to care for your family. So let's all keep following that North Star and commit to mining our own energy and using it to carry out that vision in his honor. Thank you. So we're going to end tonight by telling the story of his most defining moments and hearing him in his own words. My grandfathers went into the mine hungry. My father helped build our union and fought for our country. And together, with help from our union, my parents and I were able to earn the money to send to the college and the law school. Unionism is the key. We're the ones who build the cars, teach the classes, we make the roads, we bake the bread, we lift the loads, we wake this country up every morning, and we tuck her to bed every night. We're the American labor movement, and we will not, we will not be denied. Well, there's no evil that's inflicted more pain and more suffering than racism. And it's something that we in the labor movement have a very special responsibility to challenge. It's our special responsibility because we know better than anyone else how racism is used to divide working people. Whatever the color of our skin, whoever we love, no matter our gender, our religion, or anything else, because we're the workers of America. From my first day working in the coal mine to my last day as international president, I've always been in awe of the courage and the compassion and the unbreakable solidarity of my UMW brothers and sisters.
Highlights from tonight's tribute to AFL-CIO President Richard Trumka, who passed on August 5th, 2021. Up next, excerpts from our interviews with Brian Griffin, Leonard Aguilar, and Alicia Page. I'm Brian Griffin, I'm the Executive Secretary Treasurer for the Cincinnati AFL-CIO Labor Council. So is, it, is this your first convention? It is, actually. And uh, why did you want to come to uh, Philadelphia for the first convention? You know, we throw the word solidarity around pretty regularly, but uh, I'm hoping that here today I'm going to see it in action. Wonderful. And I guess one of the themes is unity. Why is unity and solidarity important for you? I think it's always important. I think it's been important just by the very beginning of the necessity of a labor movement. But if you look at what's going on over, let's just say the last 10 years, but certainly in the last five or six, there's a lot of division, a lot of, uh, I would think, purposeful um, division. And as long as we are divided, we're weak. But when we're together, we're strong. You know, what happens to one of us happens to all of us. What's good for one of us is good for all of us. So I can't help but think that unity and solidarity is the only way forward. I think if you look at the purple people of America, which uh, labor certainly is, then we're probably the closest thing they have to a voice. What are some of the biggest issues facing your members? I think some of the biggest issues are basically, of course, always keeping everybody placed and employed safe, uh, you know, making sure that we have good working wages, good health care, good pension, minimizing uh, wage theft, uh, organizing in our community and continuing to grow and growing for all the right reasons. We've got the wind at our back for a change, and uh, I love watching us take advantage of that. This is kind of a 30,000-foot question. If you were the president of the AFL-CIO, what would you like to focus on, and, and where would you like this organization to really kind of focus on in its efforts? If I was the president of the AFL-CIO, I'd probably call Liz Schuler to the mic and hand her the keys back. I'm very sold on women leadership. I think that we old boys have done a fine job. We've had our turn. I believe there's a very, very rich, uh, diverse, different approach. And I believe that Liz Schuler and a lot of what she's doing is the manifestation of that change. I'm glad to see it. It's probably a little bit rough because change is always rough. Some people will have trouble accepting some of the change we're going to see, but it's necessary and it's healthy. So I'm focused on maintaining, continuing, growing a healthy, vibrant, and growing labor movement. During this convention, are there any specific seminars or speakers that you're looking forward to, to hearing? There's a couple things that I've got lined up that I think are really interesting. There's a meeting tomorrow evening of basically labor in the pulpit, how we as a faith community are going to be able to better interact and help basically tell the story of why labor, why unions are important. And I think our faith communities are a key, I hate to say battleground, but they are. Faith communities are important places for storytelling. And I think it's a key to us getting our story out in a way that we aren't effectively yet. And I think storytelling in general is the best way for us to go about getting uh, growth, forward movement, and taking advantage of the current window of opportunity that we have 
with labor being so favorably disposed in our country for a change. So I think uh, faith communities and the organizations within the social structure of our communities are key, and I'm looking forward to that one. And, and what, are, what do you hope to see this week in Philadelphia while you're here? You know, I, I hope to see a blend of, of our country's history and our country's future. And here at this conference, we have an opportunity to map our future. But within a few blocks of here is our country's history. And I really, really hope to be able to, in my own mind, and I hope in a lot more people's mind, especially given some of what we've been through in the last few years, to go out and renew, refresh that love of our history, of our country, and bring that into what we're doing here for the next few days and help really vitalize, revitalize the labor movement for what it stands for and for what it's capable of doing for the future of our nation. Well, Brian Griffin, thank you so much. And what union, just one more time for the, the listeners, that are, are you here uh, representing? Um, a very you know dedicated and enthusiastic member of UFCW 75, but I am the executive secretary treasurer for the Cincinnati AFL-CIO. Keep up the work. We're doing yeah. similar. We just used uh, solidarity money to put in our own studio. So we're oh, awesome, thing. man! Well, yeah. hey, asymmetric yeah, warfare. Yeah, we're we're, baby. we're this is it. yeah, we got to create our own media. It's, it's only it. if we're not going to tell our story, who is? Yeah. And you know, when they tell it, they don't tell it right. So it's up to us. Awesome, man. Well, I'll, I'll be seeing you around, and I'm definitely going to reach out it's to you. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. All right, cool, man. See ya. Uh, my name is Leonard Aguilar. And which union are you joining us from here today? My union is the United Association of Plumbers and Pipefitters, Local 142 in San Antonio, but I'm the secretary treasurer of the Texas AFL-CIO. Is, is this your first time here at the convention? Second convention, but it's been a few years since been able to get back here, obviously. But yeah, second time, but there's a long gap. The convention's available online, but you decided to come in person this time. What made it important for you to be here? Oh, the election and the nomination of, of President Schuler of having that opportunity of seeing that in person and being part of that is is uh, once in a lifetime. So definitely here to take part in that. What are the most important issues facing your members at the moment? Right now, coming from Texas, we have all the same issues, um, not just in Texas, but across the, the country. And just wanting to make sure that we're taking care of workers just in general. Wages, opportunity for fair wages, taking care of the working condition, having safe working conditions and such. It's a lot of great opportunity to for workers to organize right now. We've In Austin, Texas specifically, we've just had a couple of Starbucks uh, locations just mm. uh, organize and do that. And obviously they were doing it because of the lack of good working conditions and, and wages and such. Taking care of the workers primarily is first and foremost. How many years have you been with the Central Labor Council? So I've, I've been there, it was over 10 years now, maybe 12 years, I think it is, since I first walked in the door not knowing which end was up or what really? direction to go. But here at the Texas AFL-CIO, I just passed a, a year on the job. So I, I think I'm at a year and, and maybe two months, it is. And has safety, as you've described, is that one of your priorities when you came in? Safety for sure, because when I came in, it was right in the heart of the pandemic. Right. So safety is a big issue and a big factor. And having those job sites, be it at a manufacturing plant or the, the meatpacking plant or the construction site or the hospital or just anywhere or the classroom. Right. Yeah, safety for sure. A big concern across the board, didn't matter where you went to work. We were right in the middle of the pandemic and there weren't a lot of precautions or a lot of resources given to safety. People tend to think of Texas as a pretty difficult environment to organize in, but were you able to get some wins? We've been able to get a, uh, someone, like I just mentioned, we've been able to get the, or be a part of and see and recognize the Starbucks workers. Those young workers are amazing. 
they're inspiring in what they've been able to do and getting work, getting, gaining traction every day. It's difficult. Like you said, it is difficult, but gaining traction every day and uh, the opportunities, as long as we, we put the work in, we, we are going to be uh, getting those rewards. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with us that I haven't asked you about? No, it's just we appreciate the opportunity anytime that, that we can let people know about the Texas AFL-CIO and our Central Labor Councils. Uh, a lot of people are, when they talk about Texas, it's not always in the best light as far as working and taking care of workers or the conditions, but we have strong labor leaders across the state of Texas that are advocating for workers in the unions and workers in the community as well. And uh, that's something that we take pride in and looking forward to continuing the work that way. And just really quick also is just that we are still thinking of the members and the families, the, uh, the disaster a couple of weeks ago at the school um, in Uvalde. And that's something that's still, still something that we are still trying to work with and deal with and trying to help out as best we can with such a difficult situation. Do you work with many teachers or educators? Our, our teachers, our AFT union is great. And yeah, they, are, they have really leaned in and supporting, supporting the effort there to help, those, help the teachers and help the, help the area. But just like everybody has, everybody across the state, not just union, but just and anybody and everybody has stepped up to help that and help that cause because that's just a tragedy that, that unfortunately, if people in power do not take action, is going to happen again and has happened again since since the school yes sir what do you think they should do we need some common sense reform we need to do we need to do something and those in the senate be it at the federal level and obviously our folks starting with our governor in texas need to take action thoughts and prayers are not getting it done right so we need to do something and those that have the power should use that power to do use and come up with the common sense rules age requirement raising the age background just a couple of minor things there that could possibly help I do appreciate your time. Thank you for talking to us about this. No, thank you. Okay. Appreciate it. Good to meet you. Thank you. My name is Alicia Page I'm with Bank of Labor. I'm a business development officer for the Mid-Atlantic region. And so you work out of? I work out of Philadelphia, actually. Ah, I didn't know that. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Which neighborhood? I'm in Brewery Town. Okay. All so right. not that far from the art museum. Used to live in South Philly when I <laughs> lived here. So you're here for Bank of Labor. So tell me about Bank of Labor. So Bank of Labor is a union-owned, union-operated bank. Uh, we represent the financial interest in banking, borrowing, and uh, investment services for all of the unions across all 50 states, including Puerto Rico. Um, what we do is we try to keep labor's dollars in labor's hands. And so we use our money to invest back into the labor movement. So give me an example of some of the most interesting things that y'all have invested in lately. So one of the really great stories that we have is the Union Lobsterman story, which we helped the machinists. They wanted to organize the Union Lobsterman up in Maine. So we helped finance so they could buy a co-op and house their lobster. And they all share in the profits as union members in their own business. That is really cool. It's a, it was a really, really good good story it's uh good working people and that's basically what we aim to do is help the middle class and help uh lift up create union jobs for good working people so i was going to ask you it just that sort of gets at the question but what there's lots of banks out there Absolutely. Uh, so what what makes this uh sort of special to the labor movement for folks out there listening who are members or running unions what makes us different is that we only 
do things for labor. We only support labor causes. We don't do anything that has any political affiliation. We are only here to uplift the labor movement and their financial services. The labor movement contributes about three to five trillion dollars in the global economy. Imagine what we could do if we actually pulled all that money together and used it for us instead of being, you know, one mile wide and one inch deep. Mm-hmm. So that's really our goal is to kind of spread that message that the more we pool our money together, same thing when they do their organizing, they pull their voices together in order to make an impact. Our funds will be the exact same way. Everybody buys union cars, buy union products. Why should their money be any different? Why should where they bank be any different? I was going to say, this is kind of taking the, the I mean, right, right to the money, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> because show you the money gives a whole new reason. Absolutely. That is the leverage. All right. Uh, just to wrap up just a little bit about yourself, I know you have a little bit of a union background in your own family. I do. My grandmother worked at CWA International for 39 years. And my, she was? She was Gwen Johnson, who worked at the Metro Washington Council, mm-hmm. who was the treasurer at CBTU, the Coalition of Black Trade Unionists. My mom is a member of Unite Here for almost 10, 15 years, and I myself am a mine worker at working at the bank. So we come from a big union family. A lot of my, my grandmother's sisters and their her daughters and so they're all CWA and so you know we just love and want to stick with the labor movement and help our own I would not be where I am if it wasn't for a good uh, labor and she helped me put me through college if it wasn't for her pension and her going to her having this good labor middle-class job so I mean so you're like third or fourth generation union person How, how does that make you feel makes me feel amazing I literally would not be be where I am in my career, in my job, if it wasn't for unions and her having that good paying job, us being grown up middle class. Yeah, I can hear a lot of pride in your voice when you talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. What's special about being here at the AFL convention, uh, just from Bank of Labor's point of view? Here being at the convention and being a young woman, it's just so amazing the energy that is here at the convention, the connections, just the networking and seeing the other young women, other labor members, you know, connecting and sharing information and learning. It's, it's all a learning experience and it's just an amazing feeling just to be here around people who believe in the same things that you believe in and that are trying to, you know, change the world essentially. Well, and that raises actually the thing I was, I was in the back of my mind there is that you are a young trade unionist, a young person yourself, yes. uh, which... Let's be honest, the labor movement tends to trend a little bit older. So it is kind of cool to see all these young labor folks here. Absolutely. Um, It just makes me feel like that I'm in the fight and I'm not in it alone. I'm in it to help bring other people because I stand upon my grandmothers, my mothers, and all those other family members' shoulders. So it's um, very, very enlightening and just it it just touches my heart just how you know we can all connect with each other as young people and have that same vision and want to see you know the labor movement grow well thank you so much for joining us on the labor radio podcast network and i have to tell folks uh, this is our our next door booth neighbor so we're going to spend a lot of time over the next couple of days thank you so much for having me That's it for today's edition of the Labor Radio Podcast Daily, a special edition of the Labor Radio Podcast Weekly, coming to you from the AFL-CIO Convention in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Remember, you'll find all the Labor Radio Podcast Network shows at laborradionetwork.org, and you can also find them by using the hashtag LaborRadioPod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. 
Labor Radio Podcast Daily was edited by Patrick Dixon, Mel Smith, and Evan Papp. I produce the show, and our social media guru, as always, is Mr. Harold Phillips. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Labor Radio Net. Find out more on our website, laborradionetwork.org. For the Labor Radio Podcast Daily, this is Chris Garlock. Stay active, stay tuned to your local Labor Radio Podcast show. 